Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about drift car sharing. And who wants to make some money? That sounds pretty darn good to me. And of course, the answer is everyone. Everyone wants to make some money. And here's the easiest way you can earn a few bucks to your wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver International Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. That's right, park for free. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip and Drift cleans it inside and out. You heard me right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info you need at drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Let's drift into the show, Mace. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host today, Zach Stevens, joined by my good friend, Andrew Mason. Mace, look at that. No, we not only made it through hump day, but we made it through what? The three degrees? That's what it is out there? Yeah, I think you, so. You're the one who's already been out for a run in this <laughs> stuff. I was out shoveling snow in it last night, and oh. um, it was it was frosty. And Happy Halloween! Speaking of cold, this is the, I think it is the coldest temperature it's ever been on Halloween in, in Denver. Denver. Yep. Well, that's just great. <laughs> now let's send, let's send the kids outside and, and explore that cold weather, huh? Yeah, I mean, all, all the costumes changed. Actually, I can speak for Charlotte. She changed her intended costume plan. Um, that's a smart girl. Because of the weather. Um now, appropriately enough, she's going to be Elsa from Frozen. No, that is that is perfect. <laughs> Very much on the nose, I would say, given the uh, the conditions that will greet us on this Halloween. But always a fun day. She told me uh, last night Halloween is her favorite holiday. Excited mm. about it. And then I told her, I said, you know, you think this is good this year. Just wait next year for when Halloween is on a Saturday. Ooh, 
because okay. we get the leap. Yes. So what happens then is you get all day when you're yep. a kid. So <laughs> yeah. You got to go to school in the morning. You got to come home Saturday. Friday is a good Halloween. Saturday right. is the best Halloween. It's, and, then, and then the parents are letting you stay out a little bit uh-huh. later. And then you get to wake up Sunday. You get to spend the day with your candy instead of going to school. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I think could be negative next year is if the Broncos are on the road on November the 1st and then that might mess things up a little bit. So. I hope not. I, I hope, hope not either. I hope not. And Mace, for all of those that are in Denver or all those around the country, make sure to stay warm that you drink up some Strava Craft coffee as they, of course, are presenting sponsor. And this is some darn good coffee. The coffee itself is fantastic. The CBD benefits are fantastic. Help with aches, pains, whether it's because the cold weather comes in and and that soothes, the CBD soothes those aches and pains, or whether it's just some nagging things you have. I know everyone in the office uses it. So if you want to get on that train with us, make sure you use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. That's Strava Craft Coffee, and the code is DNVR20. All right, Mace, game week. There is a game going on on Sunday, believe it or not, and it'll be the Brandon Allen versus Baker Mayfield. Wow. (laughs) They both have about the same ring to them, right? Yes. (laughs) B-A, (laughs) B-M. I would say that the uh, Browns fans watching their team this year would think of BM and think bowel movement, (laughs) which is what the team has generally done, and Baker Mayfield has been a part of that. Look, it's not a secret how much I liked Baker Mayfield in the pre-draft process. And me me either. I, I liked him as well. But he's not handling any of this very well. He's failing on the field. He's failing off the field with that press conference as it were yesterday, storming off in the middle of it. So that's part of the job when you're an NFL quarterback is you've got to stand there in front of the cameras, in front of the lap and mic top top set of which we are a part, and you've got to take the heat. You've got to take the bullets. He's not doing that, and he's struggling on the field as well. Ultimately, if they don't turn their season around, this is going to fall at the feet of Freddie Kitchens. Mm -hmm. And... I would say this, teams need to stop hiring coaches based on what their young quarterback wants. Yeah. Um, Freddie Kitchens, barring a turnaround, he's going to be a one-and-done failure in Cleveland. Yep. I would be f- shocked, flabbergasted, if they don't hire Mike McCarthy when all this is, is done, given the relationship that John Dorsey the Browns GM has with Mike McCarthy going back to their Packers days. It just makes sense. It made sense before this whole process. When they let go of Hugh Jackson, everyone tipped Mike McCarthy for that job because people knew he wasn't long for the Packers. But they got a little too caught up and carried away in what happened down the stretch last year. It's just a mess. I think Cleveland, after this season, won't wait long to make the necessary changes, and then their development will be back on track, but still, we've learned some things about Baker Mayfield. He needs some guidance that he's not getting right now. And part of his being a young quarterback, part of it is the personality that he is, that you need somebody who can kind of steer him and keep him on the straight and narrow a little bit. Clearly, that's not Freddie Kitchens or anyone in that building. I think this game on Sunday could be 
I don't necessarily want to say career shifting for Baker, but it could absolutely be the most important game for Baker himself this season. Look, are the Browns going to turn it around? My Browns going to turn it around? Probably not. They're it doesn't, too far behind it, the Ravens at this point, and the wild card is floating away from them unless they draw an inside straight the rest of the way. They're it, they're done when it comes to the playoffs. Exactly. That's how I feel. But Baker himself could really shift the momentum to to showing people that, look, yeah, it's not me. It's other people. Especially, let's say they go out and lose this game and Baker Mayfield loses to the 2-6 and six Denver Broncos and he loses to Brandon Allen and he loses, what, three days after kind of throwing a hissy fit in front of the media where really no one backed him up. That could send really down a, a, a downward spiral. Then that'll be a four-game losing streak from them. So this is a big game for him. And Mace, if I were to read you these numbers that Baker Mayfield has on the season, I think everyone would guess that these were Brandon Allen's numbers, not Baker Mayfield's numbers. Right now, this is mind-blowing. He's throwing 57% completion. Awful. One to two touchdown to interception ratio. That's right. Two touchdowns or two interceptions for every one touchdown he throws. That is horrific. And only 241 passing yards, a 67 passer rating. I mean, guys, you thought Joe Flacco was bad. These are so much worse. And this is the number one overall pick, the guy that everyone loved from last year. Yeah, and... Okay, he's not getting help from some of his receivers at times. You've got Antonio Callaway making a key drop um, in the uh, Bronco in the Browns' uh, uh, loss a few weeks ago to the 49ers. And you see mistakes like that. You see poor routes. You see uh, a terrible offensive line. Yeah. But still, Baker Mayfield, if he is who you think he is, he's got to make up for some of that. He's got to get you out of the muck. Yep. And he hasn't done that. Part of it also, I think, should serve as a, a lesson for Broncos fans that while quarterback, it's the alpha and the omega, and it's the most important thing the Broncos need to get right, and it's the thing that they're missing if they can't develop one of these guys. It's, what the, it's the first priority. But you've still got to prioritize putting a line in front of him. All those years, including while you were there, Zach Stevens, the Browns had a very good <laughs> offensive line. Yeah. But they were a terrible team because they didn't have the quarterback set. Now it's vice versa. So they've got some work to do. I, if you're the Browns, you've, you've got to be active in free agency, active in what is going to be a very good offensive line draft in fixing that front line in front of Baker Mayfield and... Uh, until they get that right, he's going to continue running for his life. This could be a huge day for the Broncos' pass rush. Of course, Von Miller rested his knee on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Some knee irritation for Von. Yes. If he plays, he should have a field day. Is today kind of the telling day for Vaughn? If he's not out at practice, then it's actually a concern. And if he's out there, then it was just kind of a, a day off with the the knee yes i'd say so um if it lingers and he's not out there then it's going to be a question right up until game time of course you look at all the injuries the broncos have it's possible they could activate von miller and not play him just because they have so many guys banged up it was a lengthy injury report from wednesday in terms of the number of broncos uh that were out 
for Wednesday's practice. Of course, you mentioned Vaughn Miller right there at the top. Joe Flacco, we know about, of course. Um, Todd Davis didn't practice. We know Bryce Callahan is out. Jeff Hireman, I don't think he'll play Sunday unless something really turns around. Jawan James, 50-50 to play Sunday, as Vic Fangio said, but still not a good sign that uh, he wasn't out there. You also, of course, Corey Nelson, he's going to go on IR. Will Parks, he's still dealing with the hand injury. Those guys all didn't practice. That's tough. That is tough, especially Mace, when you consider that their quarterback is Brandon Allen. Oh, listen to this. Consider that you had Callahan, Todd Davis, Joe Flacco, Hireman, Juwan James, Vaughn Miller all not practicing yesterday. Ron Leary, Philip Lindsay, and Dalton Reisner are all limited. They're expected to play, but still limited. And Bradley Chubb's already on IR. So that's 10 guys in your starting lineup who are dealing with some kind of injury right now. Holy cow. Oh, gracious. Holy this is cow. A, this is what being in the world of suck is all about. Yep. These things tend to multiply. Exactly. And you wonder with the Brandon Allen at quarterback, if the Broncos are embracing the world of suck and saying, yeah, let's just suck even more so that we can get out of this world of suck quicker. I, well, man, that goes into conspiracy theory territory, right? (laughs) Yep. The conspiracy theory being that maybe they're trying to lose. Even though John Elway on his weekly hit, he said, uh, he said, nope, we're still trying to win. Well, you're saying games. the players out there are trying to win. But <laughs> right. Look, I don't think the Broncos are trying to lose this game. Let me make that clear. But losing to the 2-5 and five Browns at home would is about as bad as it can be. Yes. And if they do lose to the Browns, it would probably be a loss similar to some of the other ones the Broncos have had because the defense is playing very well. I don't expect the Browns are going to score 20 points on the Broncos in this game. But can the Broncos get 14 or 17? 17 (laughs) might be enough to win this game. Yep, I think 17 will be enough. But do the Broncos have 17 points in them? I would say the only way they have 17 points in them, Zach, is if the D gets a score. A scoop and score or pick six. And it's very possible to do that against this Baker Mayfield Browns offense. They turn the ball over like nuts they have a turnover in every single one of their games so far this season and they have multiple turnovers in half of their games more than half of their games they have a three turnover game a four turnover game another four turnover game four turnovers mace and then another three turnover game and in the other games they have one turnover and all of them so the broncos should absolutely get at least one turnover 17 giveaways in Seven games. Oh, my So that is tied with the Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the highest giveaway rate per game. It's not a good thing to be on, is it? No, and I know this as a Bucs enthusiast. This is not where you want to (laughs) be. With Tampa Bay, okay, they got Jameis Winston. Miami Dolphins, they're trying to suck, basically. The Cleveland yep. Browns came in tipped <laughs> as a playoff team by a lot of people, yep. including me. And me. <laughs> what the hell? It is. <laughs> when you watch this team, what the hell are they doing? It is so, so bad. And another key person will be Brandon Allen to see if he can do that. And Mace, you're going on an awesome quest this week to tell everyone. Who, who is Brandon Allen? <laughs> exactly. And uh, we had two... Uh, 
very notable things said about Brandon Allen yesterday in front of everyone, so we can talk about those right now. And they're not what you wanted to hear. No. <laughs> um, to be clear, they're not. The overwhelming thing on Brandon Allen, the, the sense that you get in the locker room is that guys just don't know. And it's not simply that they don't, they don't know um, what he can do. They don't know him. He's an unknown commodity. You, you know, one player said, you know, I see him in the meetings. This is an offensive player involved in the passing game, but he didn't really know what he was. You know, what was going on. Didn't really ha- didn't really have the chance to get to know him. And some of that is obviously, um, some of that is obviously because they've worked mostly with the first team. With Joe Flacco, a quarterback, Brandon Allen hasn't had that many snaps. But you'd figure that over the course of eight games, guys would have a little bit of an idea. And really, it's like, well, he's you know he's got the headset in. He's kind of involved with the quarterbacks and all that. But players in the locker room do not know who Brandon Allen is. They have no idea, especially their starting wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And then the most Chris telling Harris was... Jr. Exactly. Oh. Chris was asked about him. And he said, well, I don't want to talk about a guy based off scout team. I don't want to do him like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know how Chris has made mincemeat of scout team quarterbacks over the years. Oh, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) So, Mace. Maybe this will surprise us. I don't know. But this is your hope is that because there's not much regular there's not much film on him just preseason there's no regular season film on Brandon Allen that this is the triple a picture who gets the emergency start and surprises yep. because the batters haven't faced him before don't know what to expect he throws a little junk here and there and next thing you know you got six innings of three hit ball out of the guy i've yep. we've seen it happen time and again I mean, how many times have we seen this with the Rockies? A guy gets called from AAA, he's great at the start, then two or three starts in after the book gets written, then the guy comes back to earth. And that's why this game, it might be winnable for the Broncos on that notion alone. And then after a game of film, going to Minnesota and Buffalo, if he starts, then I think he would probably come back to earth with a thud, even if he does well in this Week 9 game against Cleveland. I I agree with you, Mace. And uh, so here's a serious question that I never thought I would ask. Oh, boy. For this game, would you rather have Brandon Allen or Baker Mayfield? Oh, Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty easy. And even as, as bad as Baker's numbers have been, the numbers would still back up choosing Baker Mayfield because... Brandon Allen has very similar stats as Baker Mayfield, except Brandon Allen's is in the preseason going against up third against- and fourth teamers, <laughs> guys who aren't playing football. Yep. <laughs> and it's funny when you hear Brandon Allen discussed, and John Elway brought this up, I think, on his spot on the Broncos website. You talk about the game that he had against the Broncos. Okay, well, what happened next week? I always like to say, okay, what happened next? Good or bad? When I'm scouting a quarterback coming out of college, okay, they throw a pick. Fine, what happened next? Right. For Joe Burrow, in whom I am a Burrow believer, Mm -hmm. 
He had that pick last Saturday against Auburn. Bounces right back. Goes back to being Joe Burrow. Makes some of the best passes of the game, the best decisions of the game after that pick. Yep. So that's what happened next. Okay. So what happened next? Brandon Allen goes out to Houston, preseason finale, Rams at Texans, and throws two picks. And throws off his back foot more often than you'd like. <laughs> and in short was the Brandon Allen that had been evidenced on film the previous three preseasons. Yeah, Brandon Allen looked good against the Broncos. Of course, that being said, what did the Rams offense produce that night? What did he do? He had a, he had one really nice throw down the side down the sideline, down the right sideline in that game. And the rest of it was just unflavored ice milk. <laughs> if you're talking oh, about dairy boy. treats. <laughs> about as bad as it gets unflavored bubble gum <laughs> yeah I, and I, i'm not optimistic i hope i'm wrong for the sake of broncos country i think for the sanity of broncos fans maybe you don't want a win but you want a credible performance and the other thing that would i think help broncos country is if he did play well and then you could say okay fine you can basically take any guy a replacement-level quarterback who wasn't even in your locker room a little over two months ago. You can take that guy, plug him in, and he's as good as Joe Flacco. So what are you clinging to? So that's where a good performance from Brandon Allen even gives you some help for the long term because I don't think anybody in the fan base except a few scattered people Wants to see Joe Flacco quarterbacking this team in 2020. No, no. And Vic was actually asked about that yesterday. He said, if Joe Flacco's healthy again and not put on IR, will he be the quarterback? And he said, that's a hypothetical situation, and we'll get to the hypotheticals once they're not hypothetical Yes, anymore. that was not exactly a ringing endorsement from Vic <laughs> Fangio and Joe Flacco. So no. if Joe Flacco is the quarterback of the Broncos, I don't think it's because Vic Fangio wants him. Right. I think it's because... John Elway. Well, exactly. And even that's a very good point. Maybe not Rich Gangrello anymore after he got thrown under the bus. Mm -hmm. But if Joe Flacco is the quarterback of the Broncos in 2020, it is because John Elway decreed it to be so. <laughs> yep. You're exactly, exactly right. How will you react? Let me ask you this. How will you react if it is week one of the 2020 NFL season and Joe Flacco is somehow the starting quarterback? <sighs> The year before the Broncos signed Case Keenum, it was when Case was playing for the Vikings. He it was like week nine or something. So he'd been playing for a little bit. And I joked with Ryan and I said, what happens if, uh, and this, was, this wasn't on the pod, I said, what happens if the Broncos sign Case Keenum after this year? And he said, oh, I'll quit. I'll quit the beat. I, I can't cover a team with, with Case Keenum. And <laughs> what happens? Well, Case Keenum's a starter. Ryan didn't live up to his promise. I, I guess fortunately didn't live up to his promise. But that's almost where I'm at, Mace. <laughs> because no, quit it, the beat. Wow. <laughs> and and I almost. That's I'm, huge. I'm, I'm I'm not saying oh, I'm I'm not going God. to that extent. But it would just be mind mind blowing because and the reason it would feel like that, Mace, is because. I just don't understand, and we haven't understood for a year, and if I have to not understand something that confusing for another year, how do we do this? If Joe Flacco 
is the starting quarterback in 2020, that shows once and for all that this team did not learn from its mistakes. Yep. And you can say they've learned from some mistakes. The last couple of years of draft classes shows that there has been a correction, an adjustment in what type of player, what type of resume the Broncos are looking for. But Joe Flacco showed nothing that indicated you should bring him back in 2020. No. Yeah, you've kicked the salary cap can down the road, but remember you have the carryover anyway from the space that you created. So the accounting in the end sum isn't that much different if you let him go yeah. compared to where, where it would have been before you readjusted the contract. If you So I, I say you, you move on. Maybe it's Drew Locke. Maybe it's a high draft pick. You find some other veteran and make it clear to him He's the bridge, okay? Mm-hmm. Example, if Miami drafts Tua and says he's the guy and they let go of Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. there's my 2020 veteran quarterback right there. And you know what you don't say when you sign him in free agency? You don't say he's in his prime. You don't say this is the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation where he's going to be the guy for years. You make it clear. You, he's the tutor. He's the bridge at best. Maybe he's not even starting week one for you. He is the guy who, like Steve DeBerg back in 1983, is here to get the kid or kids ready. That's his job. Boy, I hope hope we're having this conversation about what veteran they should bring in to be a tutor and mentor and good influence. Yes, and note the names that we're not saying. We're not saying Andy Dalton. Right. We're not saying Eli Manning. We're not saying starters, that guys that have only been starters. We're talking about guys for whom it's clear they're a bridge. That's it. Yep, exactly. And Mace, I want to know how this game's going to unfold, but before we do, we have a WGT winner to announce right here, and the grand prize winner of the Broncos WGT is Gunner Kane. Congratulations, Gunner. Now, to claim your prize, make sure you reach out to Lindsay at thednvr.com or help at thednvr.com. And congratulations. Thank you all for playing. So It, it was so much fun. And if you want to get in and continue to play the weekly prizes and get into another grand prize, make sure you join the Avs Beat where this week they just started with that challenge. So get in with them, and you have another shot to do that. But thanks so much for playing with us. It really is one of my favorite games of all time. Yes. All right, Mace, how are these games going to go down this week? Starting with tonight's game, an interesting one. The 49ers going into Arizona. The 49ers, 10.5-point favorites. 49ers are favorites a little bit of a robust injury report going into this game. Uh-oh. And that's kind of the concern right now. Of course, David Johnson is out for the Cardinals. Matt Breida is questionable for the 49ers. Um, tough game to call. Remember, the Cardinals so far this season at home, they had the tie with Detroit way back in week one. They played Seattle. They got annihilated. It could go like that, but it's Thursday night. They're at home. 
I don't think the Cardinals win, but I think they make it close. So I'm taking the Cardinals. I love it, Mason. Ryan is also there right with you, but come on. I can't I can't pick Ryan's Cardinals. I got to go with the 49ers. And the hope and, and the reason other, other than just picking against Ryan is this 49ers defense is so freaking good. They're, so the Broncos, as we found out from Chris yesterday, have the fourth best pass defense, giving up the fourth fewest yards in the air at 194.8. Mm-hmm. The 49ers have the best. They're giving up 125. You know how many points they've given up in the last four games? Uh, I'm going to guess less than 40. 23! Oh, my gosh. Holy cow. 23 points. The last time, any, and the only time this year anybody got 20 on them, Pittsburgh did with Mason Rudolph. Wow. I mean, speaking of a guy making his first start, wasn't that Rudolph's first start and kind of uh, got out ahead of him? Right. This, though, one reason I'm taking Arizona is this feels like a look-ahead game because next week, it's actually Monday Night Football. We've been dying for some great Monday Night games. Yep. We get one on Veterans Day, November the 11th, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Mm, that will be good. That is juicy. Yes. For it, many reasons. It gets better. And... It's an interesting November in general for the Niners into early December because after this game, it goes Seattle at home, Arizona at home, Green Bay at home, at Baltimore, at New Orleans. I think everyone's keen on the 49ers. They're doing really well, but we are about to learn what this team really is coming out of that mini buy that they'll have following Thursday night football. This could be a look-ahead type game, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm going with the Cardinals to beat the spread. Right. I, I actually, if I'm picking a score on this game, I'm picking about 27-17 because we got a 10.5-point mm-hmm. spread, right? Yep. There you go. Yep. I like that. There you go. That half point's big for you. All right, the next one, Lions at Raiders. Raiders, a two-point favorite. This is a fascinating game because you remember when the season started— this was the next home game for the Raiders after they opened at home against Denver and Kansas City. And we said, boy, oh boy, if they don't beat the Broncos in week one, they could be winless coming back home in early November. Wow. Well, they get the win over the Broncos. They steal a win at Indianapolis back in week four, and they upset the Bears in London in week five. Last week, they lose by three to Houston after getting bombed by the Packers, but this is a competitive team. But I just, even though they're so inconsistent, I like the Lions a bit better here in this spot. And the Lions are putting up some points. They've uh, they've scored 30-plus in three of their last four games. They put up 30 on Kansas City, 30 on Minnesota, 31 on the New York Giants. The only time in that span they were held below 30, they had 22 at Green Bay, a game that I think we all know was taken from them yep. by some horrific officiating regarding illegal hands to the face down the stretch of that game. I like Detroit in this spot. Give me the Lions. Me too. Ryan's taking Detroit as well. It, these are like the exact same teams. They both can be pretty darn good, or they could both be abysmal. And this game, I think for both of them, may end up being the one that determines whether they are playoff contenders or pretenders down the stretch. And, of course, the Broncos play both of them in Week 16 and 17. Yep. 
I figured one of those two games is going to be against a playoff contender. This game might tell us which one of those games it is. Couldn't agree more. And you mentioned the Packers earlier. Packers, four-point favorites going into Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Well, you think you've seen a home field disadvantage for the Chargers before. The Steelers took it to another level on Mm. Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks back. And the Wisconsin diaspora that exists in Southern California, I think, will take it to yet another level. When the Packers played the Rams at L.A. Coliseum last year, Packers had half the crowd conservatively. And now it's at a stadium that's going to have even less home fans. Yes. So you're going with the Pack? I'm going with the Pack. This is going to be Lambeau West (laughs) in this game. And Green Bay, it's a team that is starting to get comfortable. Last week against the Chiefs, yeah, they don't have Matt Moore. It's It's still a tough environment. Green Bay did what it needed to do. Not spectacular, not fancy. Good, you know, solid game from Aaron Rodgers, good game from Aaron Jones. They did what they need to do. Green Bay seems to understand better than almost anybody in football, except maybe the Patriots, what its success equation is and how to do enough to win. They'll do enough to win this game. I think if the number were seven, I'd be tempted to go with the Chargers to make it close, but it's four. So this game, this feels like about a, 30-24, 30-23 Thirty to twenty four, thirty to twenty three type of game here. Yep. For the Packers going out to Dignity Health Sports Park and getting the dub. Yep. So I like them easily covering that four. Ryan does as well. And final one, Mace, the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens, the disaster show of the Browns, I should say, coming into Denver to play the Brandon Allen led two and six Broncos. This is gonna be a game that's maybe decided by which quarterback makes the biggest mistake, right? Yep. And how many? Yes. And really quick, the Browns are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking Denver. Hey! Home dog against a quarterback that's that's tossing out interceptions like someone giving away candy tonight. <laughs> What's the score? Are the Broncos winning? Or are they Check our covering? round table. For that one. Mm, I like that. So you like the Broncos to at least cover. Stay within three and a half. On this podcast, I'm telling you the Broncos will cover. I'm not saying that they're going to win. Check again. The round table on Saturday. I will have that answer for you, dear listeners and subscribers (laughs) to thednvr.com. And hey, if you're not subscribing, this is why you should subscribe. (laughs) Because I'll tell you who's going to win this game. And remember, all three of us nailed the Broncos point total last week. 13 points, which is their average in all games without Emmanuel Sanders in terms of points provided by the offense since Emmanuel Sanders first joined the Broncos in 2014. So I can tell you this. I don't know what I've got the Browns scoring yet. I've got the Broncos (laughs) scoring 13. (laughs) Boy, it's going to not be a barn burner, that's for sure. Uh, And Ryan also is going with you, taking the Broncos at least to cover. And to find out his score, you got to tune in to the roundtable on Saturday. And I am... I'm not taking the Broncos. I'm not. Give me, okay. give, give me the Browns. I don't know the score yet, but uh, but I thank you both for allowing me to pick up a game in our Pick'em League. To this pick week. your Cleveland Browns. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask this, Zach Stevens. 
You spent some time in Berea, Ohio. It was actually all online. Really? Yep. Think you did you never go to Berea? Never did. Not even to interview for the job. Nope. Oh, nope. shut my mouth. <laughs> Call maybe, me stupid. Maybe that's maybe that's why the uh the Browns are the Browns. Just hiring guy bums like me. So <laughs> It's funny cuz I was going to ask you is there something you experienced as a Cleveland Browns employee that provides a window into their legacy of dysfunction. Maybe. But what kind of window would you have when you're a time zone or two away? And 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 maybe that's it. And you you can look at at what I was doing as either brilliant by the Browns, not me, but brilliant by the Browns in terms of they kind of were before pro football focus um at least before pro football focus exploded and that's kind of what their emphasis was was looking at every single number or you can say what in the heck were they doing just hiring all of these people to kind of be an integral part of their scouting department and obviously the way the drafts went i think you can say it was pretty easy were you even at the combine senior bowl anything like that nope completely remote did that here the first time i did it was uh was with the DNVR. You know what? That sort of job where you don't go to an office, where everything is at home, that is like a dream job. (laughs) (laughs) And you get to watch football. Right. And you do it. You just make sure you hit deadlines, right? Yep. So if you're working on it at 2 in the morning, that's fine. Yep. Exactly. Man, that's got the potential to be the ultimate slack job if you really abuse the privilege. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But... I, I kind of like a job like that because one I like not having somebody over my shoulder. Right. And part of it is, look, I'm I'm a self-starter. I don't need somebody there. I can right. work wherever. The places where I've filed stories, where I've done work, yeah, there have been some bars and some restaurants and so forth. Um, sitting on a patio at a burger joint in St. Petersburg, writing a story after an NFL Europe practice, for example, but... I get my job done. Mm-hmm. That's yep. my kind of gig, actually, right there, what you have with the Browns. <laughs> yep. well, you can do it in your pajamas if you want. <laughs> exactly. Did you oh, ever I have days where you just said, I'm in my PJs? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> As was said of George Costanza. You know the message you're sending out to the world with these sweatpants? You're telling the world, I give up. I can't compete in normal society. I'm miserable, so I might as well be comfortable. <laughs> and actually, I thought about that on Monday because... After traveling back from Indianapolis, I covered the Vic Fangio press conference in black sweatpants. There you go. And I'm surprised nobody said anything. (laughs) Maybe it's because they're the kind of sweatpants that you can get away with. The gray sweats, everyone notices. The black sweats, you can kind of confuse people to make them think they're slacks. (laughs) Exactly. Man, mates, you and I are on very similar mindsets when, when it comes to that. Oh, I may wear sweatpants on Friday. I'm wearing jeans today. <laughs> there we go. So. <laughs> and if you guys want to wear sweatpants, be comfortable, enjoy yourself, make sure you not only check out Breckenridge Brewery, but make sure you check out their Never Summer celebration that they're having with Never Summer at Punch Bowl on November 9th. And this is awesome because it's Never Summer's opening day, and they're celebrating a punch bowl November 9th from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. Snow is in the air, and the mountains are going to be calling, so it's time 
to party with it. And make sure you check this out at Punchbowl on November 9th. Breckenridge Brewery teaming up with Never Summer. It's going to be awesome. And uh, you know we love Breckenridge Brewery. We probably will be there for this party November 9th. So it's coming up. Mark it on your calendar. Not only will you get to celebrate winter coming, and especially if you're a skier, Never Summer is perfect for that, but you get to drink delicious, delicious Breckenridge brews, and we know that we all love them here. And then after that, maybe you'll check out The Green Solution. And The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And make sure you use that code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase at The Green Solution, code DNVR20. 20% off your entire purchase. All right, Mace, let's quickly jump into the question of the week, which is, of course, presented by Sports Column. Yes, how would you define success for the Broncos for the rest of the season? Kind of an open-ended question. Let's get started here first from our WGT winner, Gunner Kane. Hey. Finishing the regular season without major injuries. Oh, and a Drew Locke sighting. Mm, I think that'd be nice. Mangus says... Free Drew Locke, that is all. Don't even care how he plays, just find out. That's exactly it. Timothy Pierce with a couple of messages for us. First one, Locke plays after the bye week. Offense puts up 30-plus points in seven consecutive games. Team goes 9-7, and seven, sink, sneaks into the wild card. Hashtag <laughs> never tank. Uh, 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 uh. But realistically, just figure out if our franchise quarterback is on the roster and then re-sign Justin Simmons and Chris Harris. There you go. I think a lot of these are going to be similar from Craig. He says, find out if Drew's the guy or not. And Rachel says, to see more than one game from Drew Locke. Bills demand 88. Drew Locke plays the rest of the season, and we lose every game, but he plays well. Eamon Badwan. I would say continue to trade vets for picks, but they will just watch CHJ and Wolf walk out and pray for 21-21 comp picks. Sigh. Success. Play lock. Bench bowls. Pay Simmons. Hamilton. Skangs figures it out. No major injuries. And the boys at DNVR keep us afloat. <laughs> BC Bronco. I'd like to see us play our young talent, Drew Locke. And if we have our QB of the future, win a couple games. Really, the thing we need to be successful is an honest talent evaluation and good decisions based on that. Unfortunately, honesty vows are hard to find at Dove Valley. Harry Urban, no major injuries is the only way because Locke ain't going to play. Ron Patton, I think everyone agrees. Play Locke early and often. Augie McFly, play Drew Locke, win or lose. Just figure out if he is the guy or not. The path back to success runs through the QB. We need to find him. Nate Bowie, as Shannon Sharp said, if that confetti don't fall on your head at the end of the season, then your season is a complete failure. Not really a thing on success, but Sanjeevan Singh Sidhu says, where the 2011 Broncos led by Tim Tebow beat the Chiefs in this last week seven game. <laughs> <laughs> Nick says, getting an accurate look of Drew's abilities before week 13, if we can get at least an idea of his potential, then we can decide whether we compete for those last three or four games or tank for a better pick. It's all about building for the future. Hashtag world of suck. Sean Pearson, got to play lock and see how he does. See some growth out of our rookies and second year guys. Honestly, need the draft picks to be high, so I'm not even worried about losses. Just figure out what will be needed in the offseason. Ren, Drew gets game time. 
Augie, oh, I think you got Augie McFly already. I think we did. did yes. We, did we cover them all? Do you see any? Not ones quite. We, we got a few. Uh, we got a few coming in here. Uh, DRV DRVKEMR defense top five offense can score more touchdowns and field goals. You know what? I'm gonna have an article later on this week about the things that you should be looking for in the second half of the season. They show signs of progress. One of them is a top five defense. I love that, Mace. I'm lost, so if you see any ones... I've got a few more. Did we get to Do Not Feed the Octopus? I don't think so. All right, here. These came in at the last minute. (laughs) Scoring two touchdowns in a game. Oh, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I keep the expectations low. From Ben Boyd, figure out what we have in lock so Elway can't screw up another first-round pick. (laughs) And then from Nick, getting an accurate look at Drew's abilities before week 13... If we can at least get an idea of his potential, then we can decide whether we compete for those last three to four games or tank for a better pick. It's now all about building for the future. Hashtag World of Suck. Did we read that already? I don't I don't know. So we had a couple of World of Suck hashtags. Yep, yep I think so. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a very popular hashtag there, the World of Suck. It's the lasting gift from Emmanuel Sanders to all of us <laughs> in Broncos country for finding a way to describe this era. Yep. of Broncos football dating back really to the last six games of the 2016 season when it all yep. started to fall apart after a 7-3 and three start. I'm sure John is thrilled that this these few years will be remembered as that, but you, you hope that John finds a way to end that instead of having that era continue. All right, let's hear from the listeners now. First question coming in from Iceman says, Hey boys, some midterm Broncos stats. Defense is ninth in scoring defense. The only defensive stat that matters. Top nine. It's not the defense losing six games. Offense is truly offensive. Only five bad football clubs are scoring less than the Broncos. And they're number 27 of 32. Net points, the difference between points scored versus points allowed. I already covered Broncos scoring defense. Top nine. Only eight playoff teams better. Broncos are 25 out of 32 in net point differential. Only seven bad football clubs have a worse net point differential. Sad face, go Zoomies. And that net point statistic is why I bristle at people saying, oh, this team could be 5-3 and three if it mm. won the close games. You know what? Those close games usually normalize. And don't forget the Broncos are actually 1-3 in, in games decided by more than a touchdown. Com- it came up because <laughs> someone on Wednesday on Twitter brought up the 2015 Broncos who went 11-3, and including playoffs, in games decided by seven or fewer points. I said, okay, look at their record in games decided by more than seven points. It was obviously, uh, was it 4-1? and one? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So if you have that sort of record, that means you're probably a good team. If you are 1-3, 1-4, 1-and whatever unless it's 1-1 one one or 1-0 one oh in games decided by more than a touchdown, you're probably not a fundamentally good team. 3-5 and five is probably the mark where this team should be, but 2-6 and six is not a point where you're saying, oh, this is really a bad luck team. You're saying that if they're about two or three <laughs> right. games below what their net point, net point figure indicates they should be. This isn't a, a bad luck team that gets any yeah. real notice, statistically speaking. No, no, and and I hope that that conversation is 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 done from fans. I don't think it is. I don't think so either. I don't think it's done from John Elway because he pointed <laughs> out on Wednesday <laughs> yep. how you know they right. lost three games close. Oh man, the Manning faced God. Hey guys, I saw that Vaughn didn't practice today. 
due to knee soreness. Now, is there really knee soreness, or has Vaughn been playing through something this whole year, and that's why he hasn't been the same Vaughn on the field? Just another conspiracy. Thanks, guys. You know what? It wouldn't have surprised me if Vaughn Miller had practiced on Wednesday if they'd been on grass, but they went inside. Mm, it's a good point. It's a good point. And didn't he have this? Didn't he sit out a practice or two in the preseason? Yes. Due, due to this? So um, he's not playing through something big or else I don't think they'd be playing him. But this is clearly something that's been there. Yeah. Next one coming in from Jake Chris. Guys, I don't think I'm missing something, but maybe you keep talking like it's possible possible that after three-ish games, they give up on Drew Locke. When has that happened in the past? It's not super common for a team to move on from last year's draft pick after a near full season of games, i.e. Rosen and Kaiser, but both teams had the number one pick. If Mace has any examples of the second or up second round quarterbacks who expected to be the guy being drafted after such a short sample size i'd have to go look that up that's a good question jake um that actually if you don't mind i'm gonna deal with that in the mailbag on saturday i'm actually Uh, gonna write this down because it gives me a chance to do some research into it because i'm fascinated as well i cite the example of jimmy clausen a second rounder from carolina in 2010 Mm. but he started much of the year right he was terrible yep the team was awful, but he started most of the year, so they had a sample size. And that, you know, five games I think is enough to give you an indication. But don't forget, it's also kind of a sliding scale because it's based on the quality of the quarterback class for the following year. And I saw another mock draft today that had four quarterbacks going in the top ten. Two a number one. Joe Burrow number two, and then later in the top ten, I believe eight was Justin Herbert and ten was the real mystery man in this class. That's Jordan Love from out of Mm. Utah State, who I'm not making a call on until I see him in all likelihood down at the Senior Bowl and see him against talent that is more on his his level and surrounded by talent more on his level because when he had the chance to play against LSU earlier this year, it was a rough afternoon for Jordan Love. So I want to see him when he's got more people around him rather than just being a one-man band against elite talent. Four quarterbacks in the top 10 reminds me of last year in 2018 when the Broncos were there and decided to pass on all of them. Um, And uh, here's the thing is, yeah, the Broncos probably won't have the number one overall pick, they could easily have a top five pick. And if there's potentially four quarterbacks going in the top 10 or three in the top five, what's what's the difference if you love one of those guys? Well, and the other thing is that if you do find out that Drew Locke or maybe the Hail Mary on Brett Rippon or Brandon Allen pays off, if you do find out they're the guy, then great. You can use that top 10 pick on a tackle because you need a tackle. But if none of these guys are the answer, simply put, I don't think you can afford to pass on a quarterback in the top 10, and then you have to go looking for a left tackle in the free agent market, maybe an Anthony Costanzo. Completely agree. Oh, that was just the first one yes, of, keep his, going. of his many two. Who ends the season with more losses, the Nuggets or the Broncos? Wow. Definitely the Nuggets. <laughs> Definitely. Remember, in NBA annals, how rare is it to go 70 and 12? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's like... Haley's Comet streaking across the sky. It's not quite once every 76 years, but it's a rare occurrence to go 70 and 12. And that would mean the Nuggets only matched the Broncos in defeats if the Broncos stay on their current pace and go 4 and 12. So 
Definitely the Nuggets. Three for Mr. B. Ford. This team has been fun to watch since I started listening the offseason before 2017, but I've stuck around because these awesome pods got me hooked. Well, we thank you. We love you. And we appreciate that. And it almost makes me think that someday there should be like a live companion uh, broadcast to a game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. And although I, I don't know, because it'd have to be a road game, right? Right. How would I get in on that? <laughs> I guess I'd have to text you guys or right. send and oh well here's what mace has to say right right <laughs> <laughs> five when's the next time joella speaks to the media if so is it acceptable to ask about the job security of john in all likelihood we will not hear from joellis until the end of the season and even then i don't think we would hear from him at the end of the year unless there was some big change either in coaching or gm so I don't think we will hear from Joe Ellis for a while. It may be some point in the offseason. Right. Six, I ran out of questions. Seven, reserved for the luckiest GM in history. Wow. <laughs> That's what we're calling him now, huh? Yeah. We're saying the whole Peyton Manning thing was luck. <laughs> I guess. Wow. Okay. Huh, how times change. Look, like I've always said, the hard part about hiring a franchise legend like John Elway as the GM is that someday you may have to fire or yep. otherwise guide to resignation. Yep. If that guy struggles. You're right. Count Locula. Bad news, gents. Our good friend Count Flacula is no longer. I came upon his severed head just this evening. It had been stuffed with old John Elway football cards, and there seemed to be a shard of the Lombardi trophy from Super Bowl 50 lanced deep into one of the eye holes. I was taken aback for a second until I focused again on my own dilemma. As Zach reported on Twitter, I do have binders at home, and these little tomes seem to be the whole issue betwixt me and the team. They insist on using an iPad so they can track my every move. I, however, being born around the time of Charles the Great, this Charlemagne, to you, R.K. and Zach, am more used to and vastly more effective when using a standard quill and earthy slice of parchment. I did update my style in the 1980s and began using a trapper keeper, as Zach so flippantly called binders, but it seems that Scangy Pants wants me to sync up with this idiotic VR machine. Broncos fans, this feels like hell, I know. It's loathsome for me as well, but as I once said... And these words were stolen from a modern fang flick. What if there is no hell or they don't want us there? Ever think of that? Love, you're new, The Count. <laughs> we love you, The Count. And Count Locula, no longer Count Flacula. So the Broncos have been flaccinated. <laughs> they... S- Boy, Mace, you you say it perfectly. They certainly, certainly have. And before we get to more listener comments, I gotta tell you, about the dnvr.com and Mace we've already touched on it. If you guys want the most up-to-date information, you need to join our family at the dnvr.com and now's the perfect time to do it to find out exactly what's going on in Broncos land as John Elway calls it, but also because we have a little competition going on and we need your help. Yes. The Broncos beat is down. This doesn't happen. This never happens and we even though the Broncos are down, we can't be down, and we need to show that this is a Broncos city, even when other teams are good and the Broncos are bad. So how can you help? Well, you join our family. You get all of the best Broncos coverage you can find. You also get the coverage of all the other teams included. You get a free T-shirt of your choice, the best T-shirts out there, and you get to roll with us and be a part of our family and leave comments on this podcast that we will read every single day. So how do you do it? 
Use the code Zach. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Use, use the code Mace. <laughs> M-A-S-E. Especially, like I said yesterday, if you've come over from Orange and Blue 760, you found <laughs> us because you found me after the dissolution of that station. And that late lamented station. Mace is the code you want. M-A-S-E. Here's the thing, though. Mace already has plenty of people using his code. Me, on the other hand, I need I need some help. I need you guys. So Z-A-C or, of course, the code Mace. M-A-S-E. Join us. We we, we can't wait. And when, when you do join, let us know what happens. Uh, or, or let us know that you're with us. Send us a comment because we would love to hear from you. So that's code Zach or code Mace. And... Speaking of supporting local businesses, you guys know how we love to do that, and that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. And their customer service is great. They are awesome people these guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades and we even witness machines that can cut material that are used in bulletproof vests remember denver rubber company custom makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate they're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at dnvr so be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc., at 1-800-259-0010. That's 1-800-259-0010. Or visit them today at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And make sure you tell them dnvr sent you. Bronco Squared now chiming in. Hey, gang. Two of my favorite things were mentioned on the pod recently. One of them was obvious, the Denver Broncos, and the other was references to Tommy Boy. That is one of my all-time favorite comedies, and now I am trying to picture scenes and how they relate to our beloved, slightly hated franchise. The best one that I can come up with is a scene where Chris Farley shreds apart a biscuit. In our current Drew Locke situation, Chris Farley is John Elway, and Drew Locke is the precious pet biscuit. I hope Mace can provide some more imagery because it encapsulates the situation so well. And I'll share the scene with you, okay? <laughs> They're in a diner, Tommy and um, you know, played by Chris Farley and, and David Spade and the uh, waitress named uh, Helen says that they can't turn the fryers on but he really wants some chicken wings. Like, well, chicken wings would go would, would be good. Hey, what's your name? Helen. That's nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Let's say I go into a guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get all excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. Now, the pet is my possible sale. Hello, my pretty little pet. I love you, and I stroke it, and I pet it. And I massage it. <laughs> I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. And then I take my naughty pet and I go, oh, I killed it. I killed my sail. That's when I blow it. It's when people like us have got to forge ahead out, Helen. Am I right? 
And then Helen says, God, you're sick. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll go turn the fryers back on and throw on some wings for you. And that's when Tommy <laughs> finds his groove as a salesman <laughs> after that. And wow. so he starts you know, basically making these really disturbed and demented sales pitches. And somehow they work. Mace, I got to say... <laughs> So, I mean, speaking of, find, of finding your groove and finding new careers, if if you ever stop this, you can become an actor. I don't know about that. Guarantee it. That was but amazing. Chris Farley. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm a child of the 90s Generation X, the forgotten generation. We hear all about boomers and millennials. Yeah, we're freaking here in the middle. We had our things, too. One of them was Chris Farley, the manic comedy that he sh- showed on Saturday Night Live his movies were scattershot. They tried to replicate the Tommy Boy aura with Black Sheep. Black Sheep is a piece of bleep. <laughs> Terrible. But Tommy Boy is a classic. The other classic, one of the other classics of Chris Farley, of course, are you familiar with Matt Foley, motivational speaker? No. Oh. <laughs> Zach. Okay. I don't know if somebody help this guy, (laughs) Matt Foley, motivational speaker. This is a sketch he did on Saturday Night Live. And Chris Farley is this Mm. guy who comes in and gives motivational talks. But he he talks like this. First off, (laughs) I am 35 years old. I am divorced and I live in a van down by the river. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. You got to go on YouTube or go on Google, find the video, watch Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Another one is uh, Bennett Brower, the commentator they have on Weekend Update, mm. but everything was in air quotes. Like, <laughs> you know, they go with other commentators who have style. Style. I don't have charisma. I don't let my scabs heal. I don't floss. I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Anyways, a quick question. <laughs> that wasn't the question? No, it just gave me a chance to, uh, to put invoke on your the spirit of, of Chris Farley. God rest his soul. <laughs> How much power do you think Skangs will have in selecting a possible quarterback in the draft? I don't know whether to trust him or not at this point. Thanks, guys. Well, right now, he, he was instrumental in bringing in Brett Rippon, but they gave him the power of... a undrafted guy i don't know if they're going to give him the power of a top five pick well certainly he met with drew lock and i think he would have to like him right but at the same time oh boy oh boy um again they're focused on scheme john elway when he was on koa talked about how drew lock has got to get the verbiage of the offense down but they continue to double down on trying to fit the scheme Yep. At some point, like if the if verbiage is an issue for quarterbacks coming out of the college ranks, don't you have to simplify the verbiage? Yep. Aren't there ways to do this? That makes sense. It's like they're doing this just because it's the way it's always been done. Right. And then what if there's a better way for this? Right. They don't want to be the innovative ones. All right, Mace, we got about a minute per question going from here and this next one's definitely going to take more than a minute. Coming in from Buff Stuffalo. I'm glad you're reading this one. Oh, yeah. Unless you want to do this in character. You want me to be a character? Sure, let's do it. Okay, who do you want to be? Um, I'll be... Do you want to be Elway or you want to be World of Suck? I'll be Elway. Okay, all right. 
The, so he starts off with the literal only explanation for Elway's decision not to let Locke practice. Cut it to Elway's office a few days ago. There's a knock on the door. Elway, seated behind a large mahogany desk, looks up from his Blackberry. Elway, come on, or come in. The door busts open. Aiden strides a hideous, ugly man that's somehow reminiscent of Paxton Lynch. He flashes a smile. Elway recoils. Hi, John. It's me, the world of Suck incarnate. <laughs> Elway, what in the literal? Yep, I'm the avatar of all your pain and bad decisions. Just a few short weeks ago, I didn't exist, but then that Manny guy uttered my true name and bang! I popped into existence and here I am. Also, you and I are best friends. Wait, no, no, you were not. I hate the world of Suck. I don't want to be there. No one wants to be here. I get that. But hey, you're here and I like you and those fantastic Broncos of yours. I think we can have fun together. I don't want to have fun. Speaking as he slowly advances toward Elway's beautiful desk, I'm going to tell you how we can stay friends and hang out forever. I just said... Reaches across the desk and grabs Elway by the collar, pulling him forward so their faces are inches apart. I don't care what you think, buddy. You're going to do what your friend the world of suck says, or I'll tweet that your era-adjusted stats are worse than Andy Dalton's. Wiping flicks, flecks of spit from his now horrified face. Wait, that can't be true. I was way better then. Doesn't matter if it's true, Johnny. How many people do you know that fact-check tweets? Jesus. I'm glad we understand each other. The world of suck lets go of Elway's collar. Elway flops down in his chair. Listen close, pal. I like you. And I think we can be best buds for a long time. The le- world of suck leans forward and begins whispering. So let's talk about this young, highly drafted quarterback of yours. This potential savior. Are you going to let him practice this week? Uh, yes. Obvious? No! You're not! (laughs) He doesn't set foot on that field! Wow, okay, I guess I I can make that happen. But what do I tell everyone about why he's not practicing? He already said he's healthy, and we need a quarterback. Joe just had his head twisted off against Indy. Just say that he needs more time. Plebes love platitudes. But that literally doesn't make sense. Say it! Okay. Smiling, peeking his head around the door as he leaves. Can't wait to hang out more. We're going to be friends forever. Cutting to Elway speaking to the media. So, he scratches his head. Drew's not going to practice this week. He just um, need, needs more time. You got you guys going to buy that? Did anyone like my world of suck voice, uh, by the it way? It was perfect. Thank it, you. It definitely, I, I was picturing an ugly man the whole time. The other one I was thinking about doing, are you familiar with... Um, the uh, the movie reviews that are done by a a character named uh, Harry Plinkett, like no. he basically he basically goes through every Star Wars and Star Trek and some superhero movies and just basic and goes through them shot by shot. But he does it in a real kind of dyspeptic voice. <laughs> the cartoon is of some big fat guy sitting on a couch. Oh gosh, drowned in Gino's pizza rolls. <laughs> I couldn't do that voice, but I would have to do it a lot more slowly. Right. All right. Exactly. Yeah. While taking bites of something. Yes. <laughs> Nor that was an amazing comment, by the way. Thank you. NorCal Diehard says, "Guys, my lord, this Drew Lock situation and mismanagement is making my blood boil. 
it's almost like Elway is afraid to putting Locke out there because of the backlash he would get if he doesn't work out again. However, in my experience, one of the ways you can really limit potential success is by being focused on or fearful of what could go wrong rather than what could go right. There has to be a point where they they being Elway and co, hit the screw in, hit the screw it button and throw him out there, right? But the more I listen to reports, the more I begin to think that will not happen at all this year and we'll roll into 2020 with Flacco ugh, or some other bridge quarterback. If that happens, my brain may explode. So my question to you uh, out of this, Mace, is how confident are you in your Week 13 prediction for Drew Locke? Very confident. Yep. That's I'd a- say about... 75% confident in my prediction. Yeah, and everything tells me not to be confident in this prediction, just with how wacky this has been, but I'm very confident he plays week 13. Yes. I'll say But 75%. I would say this. Heed this lesson, Denver Broncos. NorCal diehard, he's not the only one whose brain would explode if it's Flacco. A, a, a Briggs quarterback is fine. I think the problem is right. a veteran that you sell that is not a Briggs. Yep. In my deepest, darkest nightmares, go, I have considered there, the notion Mace. that Andy Dalton is the Broncos quarterback in 2020. That is as deep and dark as it gets. Well, you want me to go deeper? This is <laughs> oh, for me gosh. personally. Oh, gosh. Jameis Winston. Oh, boy. Although... I'd rather have Jameis. I, I would, too... <laughs> But, man, I've been watching this guy now <laughs> five years. <laughs> and I would rather have Eli Manning than Andy Dalton as well. Oh Well, the other thing with Jameis Winston is then you've got to try to sell some guy who's a miscreant who steals crab legs and <laughs> was involved in alleged sexual assault and yeah. groping Uber drivers and so forth. Yeah. You know what? You you're you're bad enough. You could have sold that if you were in a better place uh, franchise-wise and said, okay, we're going to get him right. He's going to be on zero tolerance. You could not sell a Jameis Winston no. where you stand right now. No, you, you certainly couldn't. Next one from Chilongo Bronco. Hey, guys, it is so hard to predict what Elway is thinking and what he will do. This whoa, He must be a heck of a poker player. He is well covered in poop, and he is so desperately trying to take it off that he is spreading it everywhere and making the mess worse. Here are some nightmare thoughts, as we're talking about nightmare thoughts, that I think might happen with Elway do, doing the things he's done so far. One, he will bring Flacco back to play the last game, the last two games of the season, as he will be our quarterback next season as well. Hey, remember, we thought we were done with Trevor Simeon after Monday Night Football in Kansas City in 2017, and then he was back in the lineup. <laughs> yep. Two, he just doesn't like Drew Locke, and he will not play. And with the third overall pick, he will just draft, crush Justin Hugh, Hugh, Justin Herbert. Three, he will go offseason season. He, he will go offseason for another veteran, mediocre quarterback, fill in the blank. Dalton, Mariota, Fitzpatrick, please touch wood on all the above to happen. I'm fine with Fitzpatrick because it would be clear he'd be a bridge. Right, right. P.S. Mace, did you visit Galaxy's Edge when you went to Orlando? If so, how was it? Much love. Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World at the, um, at the uh, Disney Studios theme park was amazing. Mm. A, an immersive experience. Actually... Let me just get up here for a second. Because I'm here in my basement bar, <laughs> I have a lot of things at my disposal. One of them oh. is this little con- this container here, this uh, beverage container. Now, 
I got this when I ordered some blue milk. So <laughs> if you're into Star Wars and you remember the original movie where Aunt Beru serves the blue milk to Luke Skywalker and Uncle Owen after a hard day of uh, working on the uh, moisture evaporators down at the moisture farm on Tatooine. You know what blue milk is. They actually do have blue milk. And it was delicious. <laughs> that is impressive. Did it just taste like milk? It had some, I think, coconut milk in it. I think that. And mm. then they, they figure out the blue elsewhere. Now you have the option of getting it with rum. Oh. I did not. Yeah, I probably would pass on that as it well. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. It just seemed like too soon <laughs> for milk with rum. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Galaxy's Edge uh, for Star Wars is incredible. The Millennium Falcon ride, I went on it twice. It's mm. it's terrific. And you, know, you actually kind of, it, it's pretty immersive of an experience. Uh, they've got another ride that's going to be coming in in a couple of months that I'm looking forward to getting back and getting on. I mean, the only thing that I wish is that I say this. You could have a Star Wars theme park. The other thing, yep. uh, also, Good. my family stayed down there a few days longer. My daughter went to do the make your own lightsaber experience. Ooh. And she said of all the stuff that she did in a week of Disney World, that was the coolest thing. Oh, man. Was to go make your own lightsaber. And, of course, she made it purple. It's her favorite color, the Mace Windu <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah, and... She said, next time you go, Daddy, you need to go make one. I'm like, I know, I know. She also, she uh, she has on the edge of the lightsaber, you can like put uh, different uh, adornments at the bottom of it. She chose the Rancor tooth. And of course, if you know Return of the Jedi, you know that Luke kills the Rancor. <laughs> and she was scared by that scene, but she loves that scene now. And that's why she chose the Rancor <laughs> tooth. <laughs> that's awesome. You'll have to get down there. Oh, I'll have to get back down there, but to do that. But that was it, it was ama- It was amazing. I can't recommend it more. Look, it, there's something visceral about seeing a visual representation. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you know, it's just a model, but when you see a true to scale Millennium Falcon <laughs> yep. and you walk up to it, and you've been watching Star Wars for nearly forty years now. Actually, I uh, probably for, a full 40 for me because I saw the first one when I was two or three years old. Mm. Man, uh, I, I just felt like a little kid. <laughs> that and that's is, the whole point, right? It's yep. for the young and for the exactly. young at heart. That's so. too cool. Anyway, Count Locula. ESPN reported there were six teams calling on Chris Harris Jr. before the deadline. Close reported there was one. Which one is it? Also, Mace, did you ever think about how John Elway is six foot three inches tall, which equals... 75 <laughs> inches. Love the count. Okay. Um, I think basically it's sort of a timeline thing. Right. Six teams calling in the week leading up to the trade deadline down to one potentially viable offer there on the last day coming right. from the Detroit Lions who yep. didn't want to meet the Broncos price. Right. And John Elway did say that there were several teams that had called, but like mm-hmm. May said, that that could be at any point. So next one coming in from Lady Katie Powell. Hey guys, this whole this whole keeping lock and hiding thing drives me crazy. After listening to the damn good pod today, I got to thinking when the 49ers traded for Jimmy G a couple of years ago and they wouldn't play him a bit due to learning the system, I believe. I think Scangrello may have been on the staff at that point. Anyway, maybe the whole lock isn't ready is something similar, something they view as mental, but it still seems plain silly to hold him back rather than scheme to his strengths. Square pat square peg round hole thing. But not even practice reps? Really? 
By the way, quick question for Mace. What's your favorite difference of working for DNVR rather than the team? Thanks, guys. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Lady Katie. Yeah, I think actually we're seeing right now the difference in what I'm enjoying most <laughs> right. about working for DNVR, and it's the fact that I can really speak my mind on the crises that are currently afflicting your Denver Broncos. When you work for the team, you find yourself almost making excuses right. for what the team is doing. And the mental gymnastics that requires can be worthy of Nadia Komenich, Olga Corbett, or Mary Lou Retton, or Simone Biles, if you want to bring it in to today's era. And I, you know, sometimes I, I lean on the old school stuff in my analogies. I got to modernize and contemporize a little bit. Um, and truth be told, in the last couple of years, on the radio, I could say more than I could write on social media right. and write on the website, but I haven't been happy with the general direction of the Broncos organization in quite some time. Yeah. Um, and not just football. It's struggling in non-football ways as well. Hmm. Um, it, had not be- it was becoming a place that was not fun to work at over time. Hopefully this is a little more fun. This is a lot of fun. I'm having a blast. And, I, and the other thing is, I realized after doing the radio that once that went away, if I didn't have an avenue in which to keep growing in terms of doing a daily broadcast or podcast or uh, doing more of the opinion type stuff, my take on it, and right. you know having right. having a having an opinion and saying here's why, you know some columns at times that I wasn't going to grow. I I didn't have much growth potential over there. Right. So I felt like I had more over here, and it, uh, it's it been a terrific move. No well, regrets whatsoever. We are thrilled to have mm-hmm. you, especially myself. Mm-hmm. Next one from Brian. Guys, I know we have all been frustrated, but there is a shining beam of hope, and that beam's name is Cortland Sutton. I'm so impressed with this young man and the way he handles himself, and on top of it, he's evolving to a number one wide receiver. That's all, gents. Have a good one. I am curious to see what happens against some... <laughs> tougher cornerback competition than what he had on Sunday in his first game this season as the wide receiver one. Of course, he experienced that last year and struggled. Uh, Rocky Yassin really was in the soup in that game. Yeah. yeah, Broncos, frankly, should have kept throwing to Cortland Sutton a lot more than they did, but still, you know, looking at the course of the half season right now, he is on pace for 78 receptions, 1,272 yards, Six touchdowns. That's something that you want to uh, get up. But also, he has 10 catches of 20-plus yards in 39 receptions. So just under one of every four, or just over one of every four receptions goes for 20-plus. So he's being that explosive target, averaging a tick under 80 yards receiving per game. Nearly 75% (laughs) of his receptions are going for first downs. All good signs, and really, with Cortland Sutton, you have to add the penalty yards onto what he did last week and say this is his true production. Exactly. But he's going to see some tougher cornerbacks starting this week against the Cleveland Browns. And for him to flourish and not see a lot of bracket coverage, somebody else has got to step up. It's got to be probably either Deshaun Hamilton or Noah Fant, but one of those two has got to become more worthy of a target. And Brandon Allen should maybe actually be good news for Cortland Sutton because if I'm Brandon Allen, I'm looking at Cortland Sutton 90% of my passes. I think he's going to be really good news for Deshaun Hamilton, though, Mm. because it was clear that Joe Flacco did not trust Deshaun Hamilton after that week one drop. There have been times, multiple times, when Deshaun Hamilton against the Chiefs and against the Colts was running wide open. And yep. Flacco just simply didn't 
look in his direction. Yep. Hopefully, Brandon Allen, starting from zero with Deshaun Hamilton, uh, will get him more involved. Let's go to Brian. Guys, I know we have all been frustrated, but there is a shining beacon of hope, and that beam's name is... Oh, wait. Is that the one we... We read that already, didn't we? Right. All right, stupid. Love Thunder Down Under. So in some positive news, it looks like PFF has AJ Dino, the Raptor, Johnson as the fourth overall rated player at the midway point in the season. Yes, higher than Devin Bush. I know Mace has his doubts as to the methodology, but still a cool thought. Seems like our needed middle linebacker fell from mandatory top 100 pick to potentially just a depth play with AJ and Josie running the show. Thoughts? I think that's right on. And, uh, I'm not going to say he's the fourth best linebacker in football right now, but he's shown enough to where he looks like a starter, a piece that uh, can be relied upon. And then the question is, do you put him next to Josie Jewell or do you keep Todd Davis? Todd Davis's contract is not onerous. So I think the way it's looking right now, and one thing we've said for both Todd and Josie, is that you don't want them together, but you can have one or the other as long as there's a dynamic player next to them. A.J. Johnson might be that dynamic player. So I think you keep Todd starting. You have Josie as the depth piece behind him. And here's what I love about the A.J. Johnson situation is you get plenty of time to evaluate him the rest of the season. So you'll know after the season. Exactly. P.S. Did you check out the clip of Fangio on the Monday after the Chiefs game? It makes me shudder thinking, quote, the Mad King, unquote, is overruling Fangio on the play of Locke. Mm, I didn't. Did you? Mm, the clip of Fangio? Was it after the Chiefs game or the Colts game? I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Next one from Mr. Blorange. I'm at my wit's end. The second you guys mentioned the idea of which is so disturbing that I had to not consider it yet, that John Elway might be bringing Joe Flacco back next year, I snapped. I can so see him doing this, and I just can't take any more. I made a petition to fire John Elway and ensure we get rid of Joe Flacco once and for all. Everyone who is sick and tired of this BS, please click the link below and sign and share. Together, our voices can be heard. And then he does share the link on there, so make sure that you go in. If you want to sign that, that's on the comment section. If you really feel that way. Wow. But yes, I do go to some dark places, and one of the dark places is considering the fact that Joe Flacco might be back next year. Super Bowling, let me ask you something. RK's Arizona Cardinals drafted a quarterback in the top 10, played him throughout the season, and while some thought it was too early to jump ship, they traded a top 10 pick away to another to draft another quarterback first overall. It was a top NFL son story until it wasn't a week after the draft. If Locke really isn't ready and he isn't Elway's guy, why not at least give the fans and the team and the team some type of hope, knowing that you could, in theory, do what the Cardinals did last year and get your guy Herbert? I think I just threw up a little saying that name, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> Secondly, Elway can give me any excuse he wants, but I don't trust him. Going with one of the classic girlfriend metaphors, I loved Elway to the point where I thought that he could do no wrong. Then a couple of years into our relationship, some questionable things started to happen, and my friends started telling me that, hey, maybe this isn't the guy for you. But good old naive Super Bowling didn't want to hear that. <laughs> Instead, I carried on with Elway, blindly believing in him. After some real questionable decisions, the relationship and trust becomes rocky. But this is still Elway, right? He really does know best. But the more you think about the recent decisions in the past few years, you begin to see them in a different light. You start to wonder if Elway cares more about you as a fan or the success of the team rather than admitting he is wrong and taking a ding to his ego. You shake it off, but then you see Elway keeping the same mistakes. Even after giving him time to make it right, And you realize that at one point what you had was great, but that he just isn't the person for you anymore. Vance Joseph stated that he thought Elway had no plan. Marshall Loreth has now come out and stated he doesn't believe Elway can turn this around. And above all else, 
the state that Elway, once practically owned, has begun to resent him. The longer this man stays in town, the closer we become to being the next Browns, the next Jets, the next insert team that sucked for decades. The Bucks. I'll offer that. I really want to be positive, but this is only going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Time to buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a rocky ride. And here's the thing, Super Bowl, and we're so pumped that you're buckling in the car with us and riding with us, and all of you are doing that. We hope it's not that long, but if so, we'll be here for you. Well, that's a podcast for the offseason. If this team doesn't turn around, what if they don't get out of this spin? Oh, that's a fun one. And next one, fittingly, comes in from Elway We Rust. I'm going to go against my username here and say in Ellis We Rust. I believe our woes will continue as long as he is in power. He doesn't seem to get along with multiple people in the organization and those who threaten his power, i.e. removing Beth. Even if Brittany becomes the owner, Ellis will continue to stay on, saying he needs to, quote, guide her for years to come. Someone needs to be able to sit down with Elway and ask him what his plans are and keep him accountable, which Ellis doesn't seem to do. The sisters should band together and overthrow him with Brittany having majority of the organization and Beth having the minority share, but the one with more experience. Either way, I think we need to call the Cardinals and request to fire Vance Joseph. What does that have to do with it? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Late follow-up question, but who do you think is making the decision to not practice lock? Does Fangio want him to practice, but is overruled by Elway? Or are they both on the same page about it? Elway said he consults with the coaches. Yep, Elway said he's listening to what the coaches are saying. But I think what's interesting is also Rich Gangarello a couple weeks back talking about how he felt like time to just watch helps a quarterback. Yep. So. Exactly. Could be the could be Skangs. I mean, they brought him in because he's good with quarterbacks, supposedly. Next one from Mile High Hitman. What does Allen need to do to keep the starting job? Wins. Even if they th- even if it's thanks to the defense, putting up over twenty points, individual stats, make a few wow plays. All right, I'll give you some numbers here. I think you gotta have a two to one touchdown interception ratio. Okay. Your passer rating needs to be at minimum, I'd say ninety five. Yep. Minimum. Yep. Minimum. It, it, if he gets over 100 and he's got a 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio, wins will come because of the way the defense is playing. Wins will come. And then you'll have, I wouldn't say a dilemma, but you'll, you'll have to figure some things out. You'll have to say, okay, is this really someone who can be the guy? Or an example that I covered, is it Matt Moore late in the 2009 season replacing Jake DeLome in Carolina? Balling out, the team wins its last three games, ends up finishing 8-8 eight and eight after being 5-8. and eight. And then they did draft Jimmy Claus in the second round the following spring, but they let go of Jake DeLome and said, Matt Moore, you're our guy. And Matt Moore, as we know, is a career backup type. So yep. that's sort of what can happen if a guy plays well down the stretch like this but really doesn't have high-level talent. Yep, exactly. So, Stebert92. So, I think I'm ready to share my overly optimistic take, mostly because the only thing that is keeping me sane, the Broncos know Drew is the guy, and even though they aren't doing the best job bringing him back, they are confident in him. Is it just me, or does the reason he isn't back yet keep slipping between his physical health and mental preparation? Surely this has to be them just making up excuses. Not playing Drew until week 13 gives him easy games to play and would build the most support if he manages to lead the offense to even two wins. Meanwhile, you almost ensure you gain better draft position to shore up the weak spots. I know this is long and somewhat all over the place, but it's the only logic I have that is keeping me from keeping me from losing all faith over the past week. Look, I'm kind of fine with the notion of not playing Drew Locke until 
week 13. My problem is, why isn't he practicing? Vic Fangio <laughs> yep. gets up there on Wednesday and says practice helps. Yep. Okay, is that 53rd roster spot so valuable? I get into this on my piece no. on ddnvr.com. The Lakshik just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying play him. I'm saying practice the kid. Yep, I think what, that's something the, we can all buy into. And you say, oh, well, you got to get Brandon Allen and Brett Rippon more snaps. You had three quarterbacks up to this point in the season. They all got snaps in practice. Maybe not as many as you like, but they all got snaps. Is it yep. really that important to make sure they these guys somehow get more snaps and do so at the expense of Drew Locke, who also needs snaps? And don't forget, you also get individual work as well. That matters too. You're not getting individual snaps when you're not practicing. Yep. And the, and those are divided evenly between the quarterbacks. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Mace. That'll do it for us Wait, today. Wait, no, 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 oh, no, no. We got one. We got one. True Champ Fan 24. Stop! <laughs> I keep hearing the questions of why. Why this and why that. More often than not, we answer our own questions when you bring up Elway. Elway is to blame for everything. Outdated scheme that is forced upon our eyes. Elway. QBs that do not fit the new NFL mold. Elway. Cap problems. Elway. Looking at guys like Bryce and James for this one. Sorry, they may be great people off the field, but that is exactly where they are at. You cannot, even with the slightest bit of intelligence, believe that signing James to one of the richest contracts for a tackle ever was a smart move or even an okay move. I'll say it now until the end of time. John Elway is not a brilliant football mind. He was an all-time great player and athlete, but I have seen nothing that indicates that he's barely above average. I, but I have seen nothing that indicates he has barely above average football IQ when it comes to running a team. Where, where do I send my fire Elway letters? I've written a couple and would like to mail them straight to Dove freaking Valley. Seriously, I think there are enough people at the games calling for Elway's head, so to speak, that someone somewhere would have to listen if the public outcry became loud enough. I think you know? we've talked about it on this pod already. If you really want to send the message, it's, it's not showing up to the games. Don't show up, and if you have a Nielsen ratings box, don't watch. Right. That's actually kind of what you have to do, unfortunately. I mean, I hate saying that. Right. It's painful. But, yeah, don't show up. Don't watch. Right. That, But the thing is, those who have tickets, the empty seats would be the most damning sign. That is the one that will get the attention yep. of the powers that be in any NFL organization. Yep, exactly. All right, Mace, now that wraps it up for us. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us this week. We absolutely love you. We love hearing from you, whether it's on social media, whether it's in these comments section. You guys are the absolute best. Have a fantastic weekend. Watch that Broncos game on Sunday or don't, as Mace said. But listen to us. Yep. Listen to how we break <laughs> it down after the game. Exactly, exactly. So stay tuned to us. Find out what Rich Gangrella had to say today. But before we let you go, I got to tell you about Drift Car Sharing again because it is a great way to make money for everyone and everyone wants to make money. And here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book or you can share your car and earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car 
every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. You heard me right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get in on all the info at drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic Broncos weekend. Thanks for rolling with us. See you soon. Yeah.